All right, welcome. We meet again. This is Luke, LukeHumphreyRunning.com, and uh, do a little chat today. All right, so nothing crazy. I just want to talk about uh, uh, some heat and humidity stuff. Uh, we've been working on it a lot with my uh, with my athletes, and I've been being more pro- proactive in in uh, <clears throat> trying to get people to to adjust. Uh, it's that time of year uh, where you know, people are ramping up their marathon training, and uh, things are hard, right? Things are things are starting to get we're kind of moved out of that the easy phase. Um, if you're in like the the classic beginner plan, you know, you're probably transitioning into your first speed workouts now. Um, people in the advanced plan are probably well into the speed work, and uh, pretty soon it's going to be August, right? So we gotta we gotta be uh, make sure we're able to get to the finish line. So. So yeah, um, I was also thinking too. I need to. I need some good podcast intro music and some outro music, right? So I never really made this thing official. Uh, I don't even have episode numbers. That's crazy. All right, everybody, I listen to. I, I, I'm just. I'm just not a professional podcaster. <laughs> so I'm an occupational podcaster because like an occupational uh, uh, runner. So, uh, but let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some stuff here. Uh, let's see. I have some notes here. Uh, now that I've, um, I think, well, if you're not aware, uh, we do have the heat and humidity calculator. So if you've purchased a plan, uh, if you've, uh, even if you just have a final surge account, I believe you can, can access it. Uh, I think, uh, I think that's, um, something that Tim has in there for for everyone uh, from final surge so you can definitely get to it i i have it on my website as well if you're a member in our website uh, which is you know join the community is free and then on your dashboard there's a bunch of calculators so but i would definitely say this the one on final surge because we've had to tweak it a little bit over the over the years Uh, so the one on final surge is definitely more accurate and you can get to it through the final surge app as well through the training calculators uh, so I'll, you know, I'll walk through, I'll walk through that a little bit, but you, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the heat and humidity, uh, calculator here. So, uh, you know, and I think, you, you know, I, I was, I was thinking about this and I've been, I've been talking to my athletes a lot about it and, and, uh, I see it in our Facebook group a lot this time, every year, this time of year. And it's just, it's just always the same thing, right? Where, it, you know, it's hard uh it's starting to creep in we're like i don't know how i'm gonna run a marathon at this pace and you know you you know you know the drill like it's always it's hard right and so um but on the same on the other hand though they're like these 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 runners are trying to force the issue right so like i'm looking out my window right now you can just see the heat right it just it looks hot it's it's 90 degrees um humidity is actually a little low but in the morning it's you know i went for a run this morning at you know eight o'clock in the morning and it was already 75 degrees the humidity was about 90 percent and it's it's tough right and you can't expect your performance to be where you want it to be in october when you're dealing with conditions that are hopefully not what you're going to be racing in on on race day so um you know and i've said this before but it just always is always uh interesting to me where people think i don't know i think it's i almost think it's where they, they they're trying to psych themselves up like they're not tough enough if they can't run the pace or they're not going to be able to whatever the case is but um, the truth of the matter is like, it's, it's, it's hot and humid for pretty much everybody right now. And 
performance is going to suffer, right? Like it's not, it's not going to be um, your ideal performance condition. So it's, it's hard to expect that to be perfect in your, in your training as well. So, um, so I just want to, I just want to go over some of that stuff. And, um, you know, now I'm writing this now too, where, you know, the world championships are in full swing and, um, you know, the issue of the blocks with the sprinters has been a, a significant issue. And if you've watched any of the diamond leagues, um, it was the same thing. I and mean, even the Tokyo, the Tokyo games last year, I remember them having such problems with the blocks and it was just like, they, they were, they were so jumpy that they were, they were measuring anything. And, and so my point with that is really just the idea that we've come to a point where we put all this reliance on technology and algorithms and we just, we take that as like the end decision, like with, with the, the poor hurdler, um, Alan, it was like, clearly he wasn't like if you watched the video he didn't move until everybody else moved but yet he was charged with a false start because the computer said so right like and that just like we're that's just an epitome of where we're at like well the computer said so my garmin said so the algorithm said so like sure it's a great place to start right and it can give you some really good information but there has to be human judgment as well and so um, that's why I want to talk about because at the end of the day, it's a, it's an algorithm. It's not going to be perfect, um, and it's going to have its limitations. But what it can do is it can give you a starting point, and then you can take the things I'm going to talk about that I think you should consider, and then you can really put it into um, something that's going to be very useful, very individualized for you too. So, um, you know, and I think the biggest part too is I, you know, going back to what I was saying is is that it's just it's people are so they're they're tough and they're strong willed and they don't want to adjust but the people I'm telling you right now the athletes that I'm working with right now I have a lot of new athletes right now and they came in and they were kind of the same way like they really didn't want to adjust and I laid it out for them and I can think of three or four of my athletes right now who've really gotten serious and they're like, I hate it, I don't like it, but I'm trusting you. And they're adjusting, but their workouts are going so much better. They're doing better on their hydration and their fueling. And they don't feel like they've gone into the well, right? They've had a day or two where that hasn't felt great, but I mean, that's to be expected, you know, in the course of 60 days, if you have two days and don't feel great, I'd say that's pretty good, pretty good uh, odds there. Um, but the truth is like, I think that they're going to be pretty darn successful in the fall because they're not putting themselves in a position where they're digging a hole every day just a little bit more that they just can't get out of. And you're going to see that soon. Like you're going to see, I'm already seeing it with people in the Facebook group where they're talking about how they're already feeling cumulative fatigue. If they're feeling cumulative fatigue, right? That, that, let's be blunt. That's not cumulative fatigue. That's you being way too aggressive and not adjusting paces, trying to force the issue, and really just overtraining at that point. Like cumulative fatigue should not be set in yet, right? Like cumulative fatigue, and I have blog posts about that as well, but you really shouldn't be that until you're like, you know, six, eight or 10 weeks out. Most of you are like four to six weeks into a plan where you still have a good three months to go. 
So if you're already feeling that and you're already want questioning yourself, this is the first thing I'd look at is if are you adjusting, are you willing to adjust, or are you just going to stick to that and just hope for the best when you get to you know September and October. So that's the biggest thing. I think personally this will save your segment because it's it's going to allow you to train hard in in and if you can have some faith that your fitness is still growing and let go of the idea that pace is an indicate pace is equal to intensity, which in this situation it's not. Pace is not equal to intensity. Your pace is going to be disproportionate to what actual intensity is. Right? Your pace that's usually you know, 60% of your VO2 max is now a pace that's going to be 70, 75% of your VO2 max because of the weather. And that, those are the biggest things. So if you can let go of all that and just kind of recognize that fitness is more about how the effort is matching the intensity, that's where your fitness really lies. And so, I, you know, so I'll, I'll stop raving about that, but that's the biggest thing. I, I think it'll save your segment if you can, if you can make those adjustments. So things to consider when you're using the calculator. So you know, so the first thing I would say is where you live is going to make a big difference, right? So I had a conversation with one of my athletes who is in Texas, and then I was telling her about another one of my athletes who lives in South Florida, and she was like, well, that's a totally different world because, you know, Texas is hot. You know, South Florida's hot and even nastier with the humidity and stuff, right? And so, like, you have to recognize that, like, where you're at is going to play a big, uh, a big role in here. And so, you know, like, I always, you know, because you'll get to April or May, start warming up here in Michigan. And so you say that about anybody with the Great Lakes region or the Midwest region, North New England, whatever. There's, you know, there's a lot of places like that in the, around, around the world where you start getting into the spring and start, you start getting these warm days and people are just so affected by it, right? And then you'll always have somebody comment, well, this is what it's like all the time in Florida. It's like, well, yeah, but that's my point. You're used to it, right? You run every day and it's pretty much the same weather within, you know, let's say 10 to 20 degrees. You know, you get into April and May, and I'm just speaking for Michigan because that's where I've lived for 40 years, is, you know, April and May, I can have a day where it's 30 and later in the afternoon, it's 75 degrees. Uh, You can have weeks where we'll have a snow day in school and by the end of the week, your kids are going to school in shorts, right? There's even times now in, in June and July where it'll be in the 90s during the day. But if I go out in the morning, it's in the 50s, right? It's a very comfortable run. Like I'm wearing a shirt. I'm sure, you know, I'm fine, right? And when say, and I'm, it's by three o'clock, it's in the 90s, right? So when you're in those big variations of temperatures, it's going to take you a lot longer to adjust. And the amount that that's going to affect you is probably going to be a lot more than somebody who lives in Miami or lives in Houston. Like they're going to pro- they're going to be more used to the warm, even though I've been in Houston January and it's been 45 degrees. But my point is like you're going to have those less variations in temperatures and you're more you're going to have much more time spent in those warm and humid temperatures, right? And so you're, if you are that person, then you're going to be overall less affected by the heat and humidity. It's still gonna take its toll. I don't think you can go into it and say, well, it's not gonna affect me at all. It definitely will. It's just that if you're so used to it being 70, like that's your baseline, right? But then you go, to a, you go somewhere where it's 45, 50 degrees and you're gonna feel like you're walking on water. You know, you're, you're gonna feel amazing, right? So you just have to, you have to take it for what it is. But 
that's my point. Like, it, you know, if you have wide swings, so like even, you know, a few weeks ago I went out for a run and it was, it was in the low fifties and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's kind of cold, you know? Um, but that's, that just means it's going to take more time to, to acclimate. And so you have to spend more time doing that. The other thing I think you have to consider is your training status. So if you're relatively unfit, the toll of the heat and humidity is going to be a lot higher than someone who say, you know, six, eight weeks into a training program. And, um, you know, so that, that, you know, you're going to go through that big adjustment period where you're increasing your sweat rate, your heart rates through the roof, all these things, and you're just going to be fatigued more. It's going to take a toll. You're going to have to slow down more early on than somebody who's farther along into the into a program. The other thing I think you'd consider on that same note would be how much time you're outside. So if you're a person who's doing mostly, you know, 30 to 45 minute runs outside, then they're not going to acclimate as fast as somebody who's spending 60 to 90 minutes a day running outside in, in those same conditions, right? So eventually the first person will acclimate, but it's just going to potentially take longer than the second person who's in it a lot longer, right? So if you're doubling up the time that you're out in it and exercising in it, you're going to shorten the time it's going to take to, to acclimate. So, you know, cause I've, I've, I've got blog posts on heat acclimation, you know, and it's roughly, you know, seven to 14 days where you really start to feel the acclimation take place. And that's all based on, you know, 90 minutes of activity outside, right? And if you're not doing that, then obviously that 14 days can turn into 21 days longer than that. Even, you know, it's hard to say, but, um, you will have a longer uh, adjustment period. And then the third thing I would say you have to consider is what you're training for. So, you know, my calculator is weighted on, weighted for different runs, right? So, for, so for faster runs, repeats, and some even really threshold runs, you're going to probably be less affected than like marathon tempos and long runs and things that you're out there for just really long amount of time. Um, and so, it's going to take a lot, a lot um, more. Of, it's going to be more effective on you than than. Um, um, doing like 5k, doing 400s at 5k pace is going to have less effect on your performance than doing an eight mile tempo run at marathon pace at, you know, a temperature that's, you know, 75 and 80% humidity. That's going to be two different, two totally different things. Like that, that, those 400s might not even be able, might not even need to be adjusted. Whereas the tempo run is probably going to have to be a little bit adjusted. And then the last thing I think you have to consider is body size. And so, uh, to me, a perfect example of this is during the 2008 Beijing Games, uh, and the predictions for the men's marathon were going to be, they were slow, 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 slow. They were saying, I mean, it was crazy. Like, the commentators were saying, oh, 211's going to win it, 214's going to win it, 220's going to win it, because it was just so hot and humid, and then they were thinking about the pollution and all that stuff. Um, and then you had Sammy Wanjiro, uh, rest his soul. You know, he was like 5'2", 110 pounds, just this little guy. And he was, you know, he was the best marathoner in the world at that point. He was probably one of the best. I mean, I, if he were still alive, um, I would probably put him up against uh, uh, Kipchoge. I, I think it just the, the talent that that man had was, in, was incredible. And he was gone way before his prime. I think he died when he was like 25 or 26, but he was very, very young. Um but in any case, he took the pace out. He, he took it out hot, you know, literally, figuratively. It was hot. It was a hot pace. Nobody went with him. All the commentators are like, it's over. He's going to fade. He's not even going to finish. All this stuff. And then it got to 25K. And then he got to 30K. And he got to 35K. And the man wasn't slowing down. He ended up running the Olympic record. He, he destroyed the Olympic record. He, he beat it by a ton. And he won by minutes. Like, it wasn't even close. Um, 
and and I, a lot of that was due to his body size. Like if you're not, you know, lugging around a lot of extra weight, you know, like I've always struggled in the heat, but I'm, you know, for, for, for a, you know, an air quotes, professional marathoner, I was 5'11", 150 pounds. It's a pretty big guy when you compare yourself to the Kenyans and, and a lot of the other marathoners. Like, you know, it was a, it was a pretty big guy. Like Jason Hartman was, he was a 2'11 guy. I don't know. He, he did amazing. He was a big guy. Like, you know, he was like 6'2 and, and probably at least 150 or 160. And, you know, I don't know how he was able to do it, but in general, like the smaller you are and you have that power to weight ratio, you're going to be much more successful because you're not one, you're not carrying around the extra weight and you have less surface area to collect heat and, you know, to, to, uh, absorb that sun and that heat. Right. So, uh, if you are a smaller person, you tend to, uh, be able to be closer to those paces is what I'm saying. So, um, and obviously some of this is beyond your control. Like it's not, there's nothing, you can't like get shorter, right? Like <laughs> that's not going to happen, but it can guide you when you are adjusting your paces. Like if you're a, a pretty petite person, it's probably not going to affect you as, you know, a guy who's six, five and, you know, 275 pounds, right? Like that's, it's not, you're not, that heat's not going to affect you the same. Right. And so that's the, that's the point with it. But, but that's the thing I said that, you can take these things into account and really look at how how you want to adjust, right? And so how I use it with with athletes is, you know, when they come in, we're talking about it, and you know, the first thing we do is we plug it into the calculator, and they have a good idea of what they because they, you know, they know on average it's you know 70 degrees when I run, 80% humidity, blah blah blah, and that spits out their adjusted training paces, you know, from easy to recovery all the way to um, sprinting pace adjustment. So. Um, so let me just go into, uh, I'll just pull this up real quick and kind of walk you through it, even though you can't see it, but, uh, I'm logged into final surge. Um, so my calendar's up on it and I'm on a laptop, right? You can do, you can find this calculator on an app, but for, I would say for ease of use, do this on, onto, um, um, the laptop, right? So if I'm logged in, I'm on the beta platform of final surge, uh, I go to, there's on the far right. Um, you have your weekly totals, and then you have these four icons. You have this uh, workout library, printer report, calculators, and, and workout display settings. So if you go to calculators, you click that, and then uh, your intensity will come up. And you'll have intensity, Hanson's, McMillan, Tin Man, and Paladino. Of course you want Hanson's because there really are no other, they're all substitutes, right? Like, that's just, it's the one. No, just kidding. So but go to Hanson's. And then you will see a little box there, and then it says enter race time or goal time below. So let's just say your goal marathon. Uh, we're going to say 3.30. Let's just say your, your time is 3.30. All right. And then below that box, you have heat, humidity, and wind chill, wind chill adjustment. So you have temperature. You can toggle that between Fahrenheit and Celsius, humidity, and then wind speed. I'm not going to do anything with that right now. I'm just going to calculate my paces for 3.30. So... Um, 3.30 is eight minute pace, right? So that, that would be my tempos. But if you look, if you scroll down, you have recent race information, which is your marathon goal time, and then you have training paces. Um, easy pace, moderate, long run, speed workouts, VO2 max workouts, LT, strength, half marathon tempos, marathon tempos, and stride. So obviously our, marath our pace for uh, the tempos is eight minute pace if our goal pace is eight minutes. All right, so let's adjust this stuff. So I'm gonna scroll back up and I'm gonna say, I run in the morning, in the summer, it's 70, and it's, you know, it's 
80% humidity, which is pretty common for where, me right now. And I'm going to recalculate those paces. And so now I get a new box. I said recent race information, and it's in green. And it says my marathon, it says eight minute pace. And then below that, it says an adjusted race time. So from 3.30, based on the weather conditions I put in, it says 3.36, basically 3.36 to 3.40, which is, you know, a six to 10 minute difference, right? Which is a big chunk. So that per pace wise, that's 8.14 to 824 so we're about 15 to 25 seconds slower than our, our um, goal time and so below that you'll have another box in blue that says training paces adjusted so this will all give you all the heat adjusted paces for whatever you're doing all right so then maybe you make note of that whatever the case is but so 514 to 525 eight, I'm sorry 815 to 8 25 is basically my new marathon pace. All right, so I'm looking at one of my athletes here, and this is a previous workout, so I'm going to go in and I'm going to adjust this. I'm going to open up. So if I'm in the beta platform, you have your calendar laid out for you. So I'm hitting this workout. It's a run pace. It's a run marathon workout for her. Uh, workout builder. Open that up, and then I'm going to I'm going to edit that. So I open that up, and it's got the whole structure of the workout for her. So I can use that new information now. Um, I can, if I click on, so I'm looking at the workout and it's all boxed together. So I'm just going to adjust one of these. It says run, distance is two miles, and it has marathon pace for her. All right, well, I'm going to adjust that. I'm going to go to, um, I'm just going to change this for this one. I'm going to, I'm going to X that out. I'm going to delete it and I'm going to change it. You'll have, and then when I delete it, I'll have three options. I'll have pace target. Pace zone target and percent threshold pace. So I'm going to go to pace target and I'm going to just put that new pace in. I can just put 814 because I think that was the official one to 824 per mile. And then that'll automatically adjust my structured workout. And I would do that to whatever steps I want to do that to. And then I save that workout and I can push that right to my Garmin, right? So if you're a person who uses the structured workouts, that's the easiest thing you can do to, to do. You can just go in there, change the workout, repush it to your Garmin, and off you go. Or, you know, some of my athletes don't really use the structured workout features, but they'll have that noted, and that's the paces they'll try to keep that into. So those are the easiest ways to do it, right? And that's super easy. That took me, you know, five seconds to do, right? That's nothing. Um, we can totally do that. Uh, the last thing on that is how where people tend to, to get confused with so um so let's open that back i want to if i if i open that window back up the workout calculators i'm going to go back to marathon 330 because i feel like the faster stuff is pretty self-explanatory right people don't usually have a problem with that they adjust the pace they do what they do what it says off they go where people tend to have problems is more in the range of the easy runs and the longer runs. So I'm just gonna recalculate that at 3.30 pace. Um, so this says my easy pace is um, basically, easy and moderate is 9.15 to 10.50 adjusted for a 3.30 marathon. Let's see if I can remember those numbers basically 915 let's say 915 to 11 minute pace adjusted if they're not adjusted those paces are basically 9 
to 1030. So they're essentially the same range. You only got about a 15 second difference, right? That's that's going to be slower. And sometimes people will tend to, um, it's about well, about 30 seconds on the slow end. But 1030 to 11 minute pace is a big difference, right? And so if you're uh, adjusting those easy paces, sometimes they're too slow. And then you want to be careful, right? So if there's a there's a big range. So if you're a person who tends to be on the faster side of their easy and moderate pace and they they see this, it's going to put them on the slower side of everything, right? And so it might be too slow. Like, yeah, you're running in an acclimating pace, but you're also shuffling your feet now and you're not actually taking a full stride. We don't want that. We don't want to change your stride, right? Like we don't want to cause an injury because we're making you slow down so much and lose inefficiency because you're slowing down so much and you're changing your stride. So in that case, I would just say, run what's comfortable. It's probably gonna be slower, but it's still probably also gonna be in your normal range anyway. So it's not something that I would worry about. So if you find yourself altering your stride to force yourself to go so slow on the easy runs, and even in the long runs, if you slow yourself down so much, it's it's gonna actually probably be worse for you. But if you run what's natural and you finish the run, you don't fade off in the long run or anything like that, just keep it what it is, run naturally, right? And that's where the kind of that human judgment comes into play. It's like, you know, well, don't we go just because the pace told me to go basically do a walk. I'm, I'm now going so slow that I'm basically doing a walk run. Well, no, we don't really wanna do that either. We want, to, we want you to run naturally. And if that natural pace is still well within your unadjusted range, then that's what it is, right? You're, you're gonna, you'll be fine. Right. And that's where that's where I think people tend to to over overdo it a little bit. But the biggest thing for me is that anything at intensity, so anything marathon pace or faster really takes some serious look at it, adjusting it. Right. And so that's the big thing. So then that leads me to the question is, how do I progress this? Right. And so as summer goes on, how do you know when it's time to progress? When can I move those paces up a little bit? And so there's really a few ways. One is that if you're using your current pace and you're going to adjust it incrementally, then just move your paces along at the same incre increment. So, right. So if you're going to, um, you know, start at, uh, uh, if you're going to start with a goal time of eight minutes, you know, use that eight minute pace for, for reference um, and your best is 820, then you're going to probably start with the 820 and try to work it up to the eight minute miles, taking a few seconds off that pace every, you know, every six weeks or so. Um, and so what you can do is you can still kind of go with that mentality. Just so go maybe go from 820 to 815 after a few weeks and then adjust the 815 paces and then go to 810 and adjust eight and adjust the 810 paces to heat and humidity, all that good stuff. Right. And so that's the easiest way. That's an easy way you could you could totally do it. The second way is, you know, and this is probably more in conjunction rather than a second way, but is to really keep a good log to so track RPE, how hard it felt. Um, if you're running the same paces and it went from feeling like an eight out of 10 to a five out of 10, then you're adjusting well and you can probably bump up the pace a little bit. And there's, you know, and here's also a great opportunity for heart rate too. If your heart rate for these runs, so if you're doing a tempo run every Thursday and that, that heart rate got real high at the start and now after a few weeks, that heart rate's coming down, coming down, coming down. We know that you're adjusting to the workload and the paces will probably, you know, probably can move the paces down a little bit. Um, then the biggest thing I will say is this, the, and this is probably the easiest thing, is that the paces themselves will just start coming down, right? So let's just continue on with the eight minute mile example. You have a goal of eight minute miles. Let's say your adjusted pace is 820. You start at 820s and it feels hard. 
after a few weeks, you're now forcing yourself to slow down and run 820s, right? And that, that kind of goes along with what we were just talking about. So don't adjust your goal time, but adjust your pace based on that effort. So um, if that pace is now 810 to 815, but it's the same effort, and you're still doing the workout, you're not fading drastically at the end of the workout, you're recovering for the next thing that you have to do, all systems are a go, then just roll with that natural pace. Your body will tell you what is where it's at, right? And so that that is probably the easiest way. And that's why I stress so much is learn what the effort feels like and then the pace will naturally come. So if, you go, if you're in a tempo run and you're just only looking at the watch, then you're gonna be solely stuck on whatever that adjusted pace is. But if you go in there and you know what that effort feels like, and you know right now that effort's 820 pace, but in like two or three weeks, maybe it's 817 pace, but it's the same effort, and you're not so concerned with what the watch is saying, that you do the effort, you're like, okay, and you look down, and then you analyze the workout efforts, like, okay, I'm at 817s. You don't, you're not so hung up on all this data that you're not listening to what your body's telling you to. And that's such a huge skill to have. I mean, it takes a ton of practice. It'll take, it takes a long time, if, especially if you've never really done it before. But it's one of the skills you have to have if you really, really want to be successful and really kind of get the most out because you'll learn what, how far you can push and then when you, know, and you can tell when you need to back it off, right? Instead of just pushing, pushing, pushing because that's what the watch is telling me I have to do, right? And so that's a big, big skill to have. All right. So all that said, how do I know when I'm really ready to go? And, you know, I get it, right? So like I'm supposed, how am I supposed to run pace X when I feel all out and pace Y doesn't feel good, right? Like that's, it's tough, right? It's not very good for our psyche. It's not good for our confidence. Um, and it can wreak havoc on if we're really ready to go or not. And so here's the way I look at it. I say if I'm running a, a, a late September to early October marathon, Personally, I feel like you're gonna get a 50-50 shot at the weather. It could be beautiful, it could be nasty, right? Like I've, like I've run Chicago a ton of times. I've run Chicago in the snow, I've run Chicago in 80 degree weather, right? In the same weekend, <laughs> same weekend, different year, right? So it, it, I feel like you're just, you're kind of rolling the dice on those September, early October marathons. Later you get into late October, early November, first part of December, I feel like your chances on weather go drastically up in your favor. Um, but if I get a hot day, I know what I'm capable of, right? Because I've done all that work in the heat. I know what I can do. I know what I can't do. If I get a screamer of a day, it's going to be like on a downhill course. So I'm still probably not necessarily going to completely trust myself, but it's also going to force me to go out slower. What I wouldn't, you know, what I've kind of been doing in training. And then, you know, if I'm, if I'm really ready, then I'm gonna be able to really roll the last six, 10 miles of that marathon, right? So it's ultimately gonna force me into where an ideal racing strategy situation that I can ultimately take advantage of the weather and all that good stuff and my fitness, because the fitness is there. It's just been suppressed all summer, right? Um, so, and going back to my Chicago experience, I would say, you know, what, I, what would happen for me is I'd get a day, say early September, mid-September, you know, anywhere from three, four to six weeks out from the race. And I'd get a, would get a really good day. You know, we'd get a day where it was like 50 degrees, no wind. We were out at Stony, and it was just, it was just a day for us to take. Right. And 
I would go in there, you're tired from all the training, you're not expecting it to be very fast, and you just kind of let the workout happen, and you'd fly. It'd, it'd be like switching, switching, flipping a switch, right? Flipping a white light switch. It'd be like from going from dark to light, and it would be amazing, right? And you'd, you'd have this realization like, oh my God, the fitness is there. I'm really, I'm actually really fit, right? Um, it was just hidden all summer under the heat and humidity, but now I know it's there. And, but I would say this, the trick is you've got to bottle that and save it because a lot of people will hit that, get that workout and they'll push harder, right? They're like, okay, now I got to make up for lost time. No, 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 no. You've already made up the lost time. It was never, it was actually never lost. It was always there. You just didn't see it. Now you've actually got a glimpse at where your fitness is truly at. So now is the time to just stay the course and let the fitness bottle that, save that for race day. And that's where I think when people try to force the issue in July and August, they ultimately come up short because they may push in hard and hit those paces early on and their confidence might be intact in June and July, maybe into August, but by the time they get to September, they're tired. They're really tired. A lot of them, they're hanging on by a thread. And they might have that day, but they can't take advantage of it because they're already too tired. They've already spent what they had and it's just not there. And so then you start seeing those comments where how am I supposed to run 16 more miles at this pace? And the truth is you probably can't because you've already dug that hole so deep that you're not going to get out of it, right? Because you're going to now, because it's like a cycle, like they do that. So then the thing is, well, I got to push harder. I got to push harder. And they, they ultimately either end up barely hanging on and barely making it to the starting line. They're, they're on the verge of just being really overtrained or they're sick or they're hurt or all three or a combination of those things. And it makes it a really tough spot to be in. So um, it's, it's hard. It's hard for those people and it's hard to... It's hard, it, it's hard to, you know, you feel empathy for those people because they have worked really hard, but it was just, I feel like it was always just put in the, in the wrong place because they were so worried about hitting that time in June and July when it's like they got to the point where it really mattered and it's not there, right? So I think that's what you have to weigh too is do I want to, do I want to hit those paces now when it doesn't matter? Or do I want to allow my fitness to build naturally allow my, and allow myself to adapt and to adjust to the weather that's given me and be ready to roll, you know, six, eight weeks before the race and really be able to put that final stretch where everything is race specific, have that be my best part of the segment because what's going to give you more confidence, right? Like if you're tired, but you're nailing the 10 mile tempos, you're, you're doing well on the 16 mile long runs, the strengths are going well. Like that's going to give you more confidence than whether or not you hit the 12 by 400 at, at five to 10 K pace. Right. Cause that was months ago. Right. And then you haven't done it since. Right. So that's the things you have to really, really consider. All right. So that's my thoughts, more thoughts on the heat adjustment. I will say this. So there is also a video. If you purchase a schedule from us, if you're in the community, uh, even if you're just in the community, I believe it's access cause it's a free course. Let me look at my, website real quick but i'm pretty sure that it is open um so you'll see a couple of courses you'll see uh navigating basically navigating the lhr community and final surge 101 so final surge 101 there's a there's a lesson in there called adjusting your paces 
that has everything, pretty much everything I talked about and, and explained on here. You could see it in live action and uh, get an idea of how to put that into your calendar. Um, even if you're just making your own workouts, right? Like you can you can use that to uh, to go on uh, for the for some data input. All right. So uh, with that, I, I I hope you got something out of this. Um, you know, I think you know just sharing, showing you how I use it, how I use it with my athletes, how you can take an algorithm and really individualize it to your own situation. Uh, hopefully you can put some of this to use. Uh, and, and if you've kind of gone over that edge, correct it now. And uh, if you've done kind of stayed that course, as far as adjusting, just have faith that you are on the right course. And I, I know so many of you are going to have monster falls this year. And uh, the big thing is just take it for what it is. And it's like, when I talk about this, I'm talking really about, you know, my, my calculations. I'm talking about Garmin IQ stuff, whatever the case is, um, take it for what it is. Don't be afraid to tweak it and make it custom for you because at the end of the day, you should know yourself better than an algorithm or a piece of technology, right? And so the technology is great and it's going to give you a ton of information, but you've got to take in all the data, whether it's from technology or internal um, uh, awareness, whatever the case is, it all has to be merged together to make the best decision for you and so that you can maximize what you're going to get out of out of your training so all right with that i am out of here have a great week and uh we'll do this again sometime all right i'll talk to you later